we've learned anything from these past couple of years, my fellow Americans, is that personal medical freedom and liberty are in crisis. America Out Loud Pulse brings together the top experts in healthcare-related fields to keep you a beat ahead. You know, one of the key questions I've seen in the Wall Street Journal are vaccines fueling new COVID variants. And, and I bought that up a little bit at the end of uh, the pulse last week. And I'm seeing more and more reports of that this past week. And uh, it, there's that, there's uh, an update on Damar Hamlin, which a lot of people are still questioning, asking uh, things about that. And some other fascinating things coming out of China that uh, we should pay attention to as well, which ties to this other question I have here. Welcome in, friends, to America Out Loud Pulse. It is Malcolm Out Loud here along with my co-host. Dr. Peter McCullough, great to be on. All right, and this is also Q&A 53 today, and I promise we'll get lots more questions in. uh, We've gotten a ton in the past few weeks, and uh, I promise we'll do as many of those as we can. All right, so I'm seeing this question surface more and more and more, Dr. McCullough. Are, are vaccines fueling new COVID variants? Uh, and the fact that they're evading, uh, the, 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 the virus is evading immunity. I mean, perhaps people feel that way now. And then, of course, you have this China episode that seems to be blowing up. There's still a lot of questions about that. Tying that all up, but what do you, what's your uh, diagnosis of all that? We had evidence... Uh, one of the first papers that caught my eye back in 21 was by Arcevedo and colleagues from South America. It was actually published, uh, I believe, from Argentina, but it was, uh, you know, talking about what was going on in Chile. And that had to do with the Lambda variant. And what we learned from that is that a detailed study suggested that vaccination, particularly vaccination with the whole killed virus vaccine, the Sinovac Corona vaccine, which they were using in Chile, spurred the genesis of the Lambda variant. What we know, Malcolm, is there's roughly uh, 1,000 or 2,000 different variants of the virus at any given time. In fact, many many variants are probably in the nasopharynx of many individuals. And the virus is always replicating. It doesn't do a perfect job. So it's always spinning off slightly different versions of itself. Sooner or later, the virus will find a version that can survive better in a vaccinated person. And then that version will become the dominant strain. So we saw that with Lambda for sure in South Africa. And there was a published uh, paper on that. There was a paper by uh, Neeson and colleagues from Mayo Clinic, Venkata Krishnan from a company called uh, Inference in Boston. They said when we got to 25% of the population, that's enough that on a population basis, we'll see variants. And now what we've learned in China, which is the current topic of discussion, is that they've used up to a dozen vaccines, almost all of them antigen-based vaccines or killed virus vaccines, most predominantly, again, the Sinovac coronavirus virus. There, it seems to be a cauldron of new variants, XBB and many others. And the concern is here that, you know, for two years, the vaccine program has been playing with Mother Nature. It's been prompting Mother Nature. And sooner or later, Mother Nature is going to take a turn with a more virulent strain. And that is the current set of concerns in China that, in fact, mass vaccination does cause new variants 
And sooner or later, we're going to get a more dangerous variant. Well, uh, which that's a great segue to this question here that uh, actually somebody sent this question into us. And uh, and yeah, and I don't know what the answer is. Uh, it, it, the question was first time in medical history uh, of the variant mutant that is stronger than the original. Is that an accurate statement? You know, it's never happened because there's an axiom called Mueller's ratchet. Right. Says in a natural pandemic, a natural pandemic with no intervention from mankind, the virus will mutate, 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 become more mild and more transmissible in order to survive. The virus doesn't want to terminate itself. If the virus became very strong and just killed the victim and didn't allow the victim to spread the virus, then that virus wouldn't go too far in the population. So Mueller's ratchet says the virus gets uh, progressively more mild. And in fact, it did from wild type to Omicron. But as I just reported on the McCullough report, we're starting to get some signs in China where our luck may be running out and the virus may be getting more severe. Yeah, I'm blown away with this because you mentioned this uh, this uh, phenomenon. Oh, wow. Maybe like a year and a half ago. We talked about that. I mean, I remember the words exactly when you talked about that ratchet uh, and that it never happens. And so when this was paused and the question come in, I thought that is remarkable. Now, let me just before we leave this here and China as well, I seem a and again, I, I'm just curious to see if you've seen any pushback on this. I seen a post that said this guy is in Shanghai and shows the newspaper with the date December 22nd, 2022. He debunks all the information from Western uh, media, regime media about the situation in China. There is no Chinese in line at emergency rooms, no people dying in the streets or crowded hospitals, as they want us to believe here in the West, by telling us the lie that COVID is restarting heavily in China. Those who believe it again this time perhaps deserve the fifth dose. I mean, is I mean, I I, oh, I hesitate to put that out there. I'll have to be honest with you, but it it it, it piqued my curiosity a bit to see how you'd respond to something like that if you even want to. <laughs> You know, it's getting to the trustworthiness of news from China. And, you know, there is a trend. And if you've ever been to China, I've been to China five times. So I've had a chance to sit in a Chinese hotel and read the Chinese daily news. The trend is for the Chinese government to understate problems and to overstate the government's competency in handling the problem. So let me give you an example. One time I was sitting in a hotel in Beijing. I picked up the China Daily News and it says typhoon hits the coast of China. Chinese government sweeps in and evacuates six million people overnight. Overnight. Malcolm, can you imagine you've you've gone through hurricanes in Florida. Can you imagine evacuating the state of Florida overnight? I mean, the Chinese government does stuff like this. So the trend and the the intel that I'm getting is whatever we're hearing from China is understated. So if there's if there's stating that five percent of the population, ten or fifteen percent concurrently have the illness, that that's an understatement. To have somebody who come out on a radical side and say, "Listen, the problem doesn't exist," when the majority of intel we're getting suggests the problem is there. Um, And listen, Europe. United States and other governments have made travel restrictions, whether they are meritorious or not, but they did so based on intel. So the predominance of intel is we've got 
we got the house on fire in China. Yeah, yeah. Well, listen, I, I truth, uh, again, full disclosure, I, I was hesitant to put it out there, but uh, I thought sometimes it's better to cross these bridges and let people hear these conversations on all sides of it. Now, listen, I've talked at length, and you have last week with Dr. Li Meng Yang, who has firsthand knowledge of all of these things. I mean, we'd know differently if it was different. In fact, if it, the last week's show was absolutely phenomenal. A lot of people wrote in about it on the McCullough Report with the hour was uh, all about China. If you missed that, it is on podcast on the platform, friends. So let's get a uh, update from uh, before we move into a lot of other things here. Uh, Damar Hamlin, I have, you know, again, it's been kind of quiet a little bit. It hasn't been as much as I thought there would be. What are you hearing on this? It's as I predicted, Malcolm, it's day eight. And we've moved into almost completely a media blackout. Uh, I had predicted, remember, within 24 hours on national TV that he was going to survive. I was the only doctor who came on TV. You told me last week. You told us right here, brother. uh, Yeah, it was going to neurologically survive. I told you, and he did. Uh, I told America that uh, he would come off the ventilator. He'd be okay. And he'd be discharged wearing a life vest. Now, a life vest is like a life preserver, and it can detect a rhythm and apply a shock if needed. It, it's, it enabled us greatly in medicine, where now uh, if someone survives this, we can send them home, let them recover. We know there's some assurances they'll be fine. If he has a repeat cardiac arrest, it's unlikely it happens now. And then he can go through his evaluation in an orderly fashion. I anticipate he's already had an echo, which uh, almost certainly was normal, because if they would have found heart failure or hypertrophic cardiomyopathy, they would have reported it. Uh, his genetic testing for what's called channelopathies or various uh, electrolyte channels that manage um, voltage gating in the heart. They're going to take several weeks or a month to come back. His cardiac MRI, electrophysiologic study, and heart catheterization can all be done as an outpatient, and that may take some time. It's appropriate to let him recover. He's had IVs in him and things like this. Uh, But the point I'm making is that If they had come up with a readily uh, identifiable problem, they would have told America, so we would take our focus off the vaccines. Eight days of silence is making me even more concerned that he had subclinical vaccine-induced myocarditis, and the sudden death is a result of that. And we're going to have to follow this closely. I anticipate now we're going to go into almost complete media blackout. We'll never hear again. The, the the issue he'll face as an individual is whether or not he gets an ICD, an implantable cardio defibrillator. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so we're going to look for this, but anticipate complete media blackout. And what many have told me uh, privately, Malcolm, mm-hmm. is that this case we thought was the sentinel case of uh, high profile sudden cardiac right. death right. due to the vaccines. It's really not about this case. It's going to be about the next case because the, enough concern was raised it was completely snuffed out. What are they going to do if the next one happens? Interesting. That's that's an interesting uh, uh, theory to put out there uh, to, to think about. I'm glad you uh, spoke about this in the way that you did, actually. Um, you know, when I posed the question to you and the update, I thought it was me because I'm so busy here. Sometimes I don't see the follow-up on the story. The, the, I'm, I'm being real now. And I thought, I didn't know you'd say what you said. I figured I missed something, I thought. But you're telling me I didn't miss anything. Uh, <laughs> no, I mean, I watched the press conference from the University of Cincinnati Medical yeah. Center. Yeah. There was on day three, there's two doctors, there's some administrator lording over them. It's in a picture yeah. on my social media feed. 
these doctors, their body language, they looked so uncomfortable. Uh, they wouldn't even mention the vaccine as and subclinical myocarditis uh, in the differential diagnosis. I mean, let me just recap the timeline. In t- early 2021, the White House and the Health and Human Services Department announced the COVID Community Core Funding Program. It's, the website is wecandothis.org. And they flowed out $13 billion with the B to a whole variety of organizations, including the National Football League. This is early in 2021. In June of 2021, the FDA says the vaccines cause myocarditis or heart damage. Now, that means as a cardiologist, you know, I before COVID, I could never let a myocarditis patient play sports because it can precipitate cardiac arrest. I mean, this is June of 2021. Now, in August of 2021, the NFL says they get into a dispute with the Players Association and said, you know, we're going to mandate these vaccines. The players don't want the vaccines. Then they go for eight months in the NFL vaccine program, and the NFL claims that they vaccinate 95% of the players. And it's very prominent who has not been vaccinated. Cole Beasley and the Buffalo Bills is ostracized. It's a big deal. Cam Newton, quarterback for the Patriots, uh, you know, it gets into this entire spat. The press is beating him down. Uh, Bill Belichick says, oh, he's, you know, he wasn't released because he wasn't vaccinated. Urban Meyer Jacksonville Jaguars undergoes formal uh, investigation for vaccine discrimination against the player. So it's clear that this was going on. And then in March of 2022, Malcolm, all COVID protocols dropped. Not a word is said about COVID or the vaccine since March of 2022. Yeah, yeah. It reminds me that as folks here, you're talking about all this. You, you all have to remember out there that McCullough knows football, actually. You wouldn't know that as a medical doctor that he follows it like he does, but you do. Uh, it's a sport. You know, it's funny. Growing up, I played baseball. I wanted to be a pro ball player. I think I might have told you that once before. I would have loved to have been, actually. That would have been my dream. Uh, always follow your dreams, friends. You never know where they go. Listen, one last thing. You don't think this guy ever makes it back to football? I would be surprised. But, you know, there is some discussion as a massive redirection campaign to call this commodio cordis, which is an illness that we talked about uh, where it's a spontaneous ventricular fibrillation getting hit in the chest with a baseball. You mentioned baseball, lacrosse, hockey puck. Uh, it's never happened in pro football. They wear uh, sternal protectors on their pads. They get hit in the chest, uh, you know, all game long. Uh, so Commodio cordis was ruled out by mechanism, but I still see a resurgence out there that it was Commodio cordis. And of interest on my Substack, this is very interesting. John Leake, my co-author, uh, found this. There was a paper reported in a European Journal of, of Cardiology that found with myocarditis of other causes uh, before COVID, there were two cases where they where these kids got hit in the chest and actually had a cardiac arrest. But the reason is the heart was prone to going into cardiac arrest because of myocarditis. So that still looms out there. So if the case is made that it just was an unlucky tackle and he had commodio cortis, uh, you know, we have a paper suggesting, wait a minute, that, that still could be the reason why it happened to him is because he has subclinical myocarditis. Yeah, yeah. All right. I, I mean, it's uh, we'll see where that goes. I mean, the career and all, but I, I don't suspect that he's going to get back there. All right. So let's move into uh, there's a, a special question I want to bring up first before we get into really a lot of really very interesting ones. This is Q and A fifty three friends, and 
we uh, again, you can just go to America Out Loud Pulse under the navigation menu bar. Just find the show, the drop down, you know, on the on the website. And you can go right there and ask a question to any host. I mean, any of the hosts on any of the days you can ask uh, the questions. So, all right. And uh, and by the way, looking forward to later this month, I think it's on the 20th. I said Dr. Harvey Reese will be on doing the Friday show. Uh, but, uh, you know, all the questions will be uh, there. Dr. Marilyn Singleton, of course, is with us. Uh, Dr. Vong, Dr. Tankersley, uh, Dr. Peter Bregan, uh, you know, Ginger, all of them. It's an amazing, amazing uh, program. Uh, let me read this uh, this uh, message from a nurse, uh, Dr. McCullough. This is from a nurse, Marla. And, and, and I'll read you this before I read the thing. Here's the, here's the question I pose up front. And I think she kind of answers the question. When I read this, it went came to my mind this question, like, why did so many in healthcare go along with failed policies and death sentences for innocent people that could have been saved? Now, that's a question coming from me, Malcolm. And I, I posed that question after I read her message. And, and here it is. Uh, from Nurse Marla. <clears throat> Hi, Malcolm and Dr. McCullough. Like many nurses, I received the Medscape emails and updates and articles. It is so disturbing to see the narrative that is continually pushed seminar after seminar on how to overcome vaccine hesitancy, all sponsored by Moderna in very fine print, always very fine print at the bottom of the page. So not surprising when I noticed an article with the title Five Thoughts on the DeMar Hamlin Collapse, the first four were the obvious, have personal equipment available, et cetera. But it was the fifth one that took me back. The last bullet point was pre-screening athletes for cardiac issues is a bad idea. Nurse Marla says, in what world have we entered that we no longer look for issues that might save someone? Now, the tone, of course, is my tone, friends. But the question is Marla's clearly... She then sums up, it's no wonder my nurse colleagues are blinded by the truth. The propaganda is constant and everywhere. It's so difficult to convince nurses that every institution we always uh, trusted or uh, we always trusted or compromised the CDC, FDA, medical journals, AMA, NAA, and on and on and on. You finally get someone's attention, then they go to, and then they go check uh, Snopes, you know, S-N-O-P-E-S, everybody knows, but that site is owned by globalists, for God's sakes, it's worthless. Or some of the fact checker, uh, who they almost always have agendas, and they are told what you are saying is a conspiracy theory. It all makes you sound and look like a lunatic. She's right. After all, uh, the time of fighting this narrative, do you have any suggestions on the best way to talk with friends, family, and colleagues that have completely bought into all the lies? Thank you from a grateful nurse. You know, I thought that was a very thoughtful uh, email and question and response and bringing up Moderna and Medscape and the propaganda. This is the problem. This is this is the core of the problem, Dr. McCullough. What happened? It's so true. We're under, in a sense, a psychological operation by a biopharmaceutical complex and uh, we have to ask ourselves, uh, do we get any emotional stir from conflict of interest? Let me give you an example. The news broke today that former FDA chairman, Scott Gottlieb, kind of a young, uh, underaccomplished academic doctor, uh, took a job uh, as a Pfizer board director. Pfizer wow. paid him uh, $365,000 a year plus stock uh, options. 
and he became a frequent contributor to CNBC. He was on the uh, stock uh, report, uh, Squawk Box, every morning with uh, Becky Quick, Joe Kernan, and Andrew Ross Sorkin. And in his position, he constantly advised Americans to take vaccines. He constantly undermined natural immunity. But what we found today is he actually used his influence on Twitter to silence, through Twitter censorship, silence anybody who was tweeting about natural immunity. Mm-hmm. So, wow. you know, Twitter was complicit in this. And wow. you know, Americans listen to this. You know, what he was doing, he was defrauding America yeah. because his comments were juicing the stock price of Pfizer. Yeah. I mean, this is direct. You can't go on a financial program with that conflict of interest in a public health scare and do it. So the shocking revelations are, you know, that's how much money it takes to buy a U.S. former public health official. It's not that much. And um, uh, and then what that person will do. We now know Stephen Hahn, who followed him, joined the venture capital firm for Moderna. Rick Bright joined uh, the Rockefeller Foundation promoting vaccines. There's a revolving door. Well, that's what I was going to say to you. Isn't this a commonplace thing? From my world, it is, Dr. McCullough, where they're doing this. And these are, and I have to say to you, these are really bad cats. I mean, these are, it needs to be said this. These are people, these are human beings that are selling out other human beings for greed, for money, for the lowest possible dominator. You know, I'll tell you, it makes me sick, really sick. Well, Malcolm, let's get back to the question, though, because the question is, what practical things can one cite? And, you know, there's four sources of survey information, survey information that are worth quoting. This is important. The most recent one was the Rasmussen survey that was done over the holidays. And these are done with valid survey companies, U.S. representative data. Rasmussen found in a representative survey about two-thirds of Americans took the vaccine. A third didn't. Now, overall, the entire population, 28% of people know somebody who died of the vaccine. Okay, 28%. Now, Mark Skidmore at Michigan State University now has his paper fully published reported last summer, valid survey, 22% of Americans said they know somebody with a new serious disease that's due to the vaccines. Uh, The Zogby survey last summer, again, another valid survey company, 15% of people who said they took the vaccines have a new medical problem. They're seeing seeking health care, heart damage, a blood clot, stroke, uh, neuropathy. And then lastly, the CDC V-safe data, 10 million people who are doing what the CDC asked them to do. They're completing a survey online about their vaccine experience. And in those data, 10 million Americans said seven to eight percent of them have to go to the hospital. They're so sick with an acute reaction due to the vaccine or urgent care or office visit. 25 percent are incapacitated. So that's not that's not a doctor's opinion. That's not arguing one scientific paper versus another. That's the survey results. That's the opinions of Americans. So Malcolm, I would say with no social media, no major media, nothing else, word of mouth, whether people admit it or not, America is scared. 
Yeah, yeah. Shouldn't we have some sort of legislation or some, some something to be proposed that that states the fact that if you work in a high level position in the government, that it, it should preclude you. You should not be able to go and join forces with these big pharma companies. It's hard to tell people that they can't do something with their life, but there should be some uh, rules of the road with respect to the media. I mean, can we really have someone on the board of Pfizer advising in a public health emergency for people to take the Pfizer vaccine on, on, on a financial show where people are buying stock in Pfizer? I mean, that is such a straight line conflict of interest. Maybe we could do better with conflict of interest laws. We, we clearly understand now how this works. I don't think the companies are paying people in government positions because they have to report 1099s. People have to report that on their taxes. <clears throat> I don't think it's direct payment, but I think people are working so closely together. They know when they finish their term in the government, they're going to get a very comfortable job yeah. in the same companies they were regulating. Well, because they're making a ton of money with it. It's greed. It's I'm sorry, it's greed. It should not be allowed. I, I'm, I'm going to disagree with you. I think there should be something in play. If you go ahead and subscribe to be a government official at some sort of level, you should not be allowed. That should be some sort of disclaimer that these cats sign to go work for the cats. That It, it doesn't work, Peter. It doesn't work. You know, it, it, it's... Uh... I mean, that would be tantamount to saying, listen, you got a career in the military. You can't go work for a defense contractor or whatever. You but know, we're talking you're... health policy here, though. We're talking health policy. We're uh, talking, I, I mean, you know, I know. I mean, but but, you know, former government officials do have important roles in health policy. Mm. And that does exist. I, I guess what I'm saying is I, I don't want, I don't think we should have rules that influence the course of someone's life. But I think we do need strong rules on conflict of interest, and we ought to have, uh, you know, strengthening of uh, pharmaceutical promotion. We simply cannot have people advising on pharmaceutical promotion without fair balance, and we can't have people who are financially incentivized to go on. Now, if God Gottlieb is going to go on and talk about a drug that he has no connection to, that's a different story. Yeah. But to, to be directly financially incentivized by Pfizer and then giving statements. And the, the thing is, reaching into Twitter and then trying to dumb down any information on natural immunity in order to promote the vaccines, that uh, to me, you know, that's criminal. Everybody can see what's transpired here is the bottom line. And uh, there there is so much monkey business that has gone on here and it's so nefarious it's the lowest possible denominator. It, it is. It, it really should make everybody. It's disgusting, is what it is. It's disgusting, and there's no place for any of this nonsense. But yet it exists, and social media is the core of it. It's garbage. Uh, let's get on with it here. Uh, this one's from Sandra. This is interesting. Now you're going to want to hear this one. I think, uh, and I, I think I know the answer to it. But uh, but I think you need to answer this. She said, Sandra says, trying to find out if the following email address in your name, Dr. McCullough, is real or a scam. It is Dr. Peter McCullough Pharma at gmail.com. I've been trying to get COVID meds and they keep asking me for more money uh, that I give. I don't know who to contact to find out if the above email is really from you. Do you want to answer that, sir? It is a scam, but let me write it down again. Dr. Peter McCullough. McCullough Pharma at gmail.com. Okay. Uh, so, uh, yeah. So, all right. 
<laughs> now, now, listen, uh, let me just update my uh, listeners on this. On Twitter, as far as I know, I just have one account. You should find me there. And I do have a blue check mark. I'm certified on Getter, Truth Social, and on Instagram. But I have to tell you, the most problematic of all is, um, no doubt about it, the most problematic of all is Telegram. Telegram, there's over a dozen fake channels. And I've gotten an attorney, Malcolm. I can't get these taken down. They're out of Nigeria and all these different countries. There are people just scamming other people thinking that I run a pharmacy or something like this. Remember, I don't run a pharmacy. I've taken a position as a chief scientific officer of the wellness company. That's legitimate, twc.health. But outside the wellness company, there's no other uh, activities. Please don't buy from these scammers. Yeah, there it is. So I wanted you to know that. That's why that came in here in the last day or two, but I snuck it up front because I don't want people to be scammed here. So Sandra, the show, hope that helps you there and a lot of other folks as well. I could just tell you it's bad information just by the email address. And Dr. McCullough, if you follow any part of him, he's a little more reputable than doing this kind of a thing. So it's not going to happen here. Uh, this one's from Karen. I hear there is good research on the positive effect of uh, pomegranate juice on cardiovascular systems. Has anyone considered its possible effect to help against the blood clots seen in long haul and uh, C19 vaccine patients? That's a wonderful question. I don't know about blood clots, but pomegranate juice has other purported beneficial properties, just like grape juice and and red wine. And most of it tracks back to Reservatrol. Uh, That is a natural substance that seems to be very favorable to the lining of the blood vessels. But let me tell you what, my wife and my mother-in-law, they are pomegranate juice believers. In fact, they get the pomegranates itself and they harvest the seed. I I find these seeds in my salad. And if you want to come to my house for dinner, Malcolm, We've got pomegranate seeds. Let me tell you, that's a messy operation. Well, it is, but you find them in your salad. When you find them in your bed, you know you're in trouble. And she's (laughs) eating pomegranate. (laughs) So I can see that now. I'm a color rolling over. Oh, my, get these pomegranate seeds out of here, please. These these things are crunchy. Let me tell you, they're crunchy going down. They're crunchy going out. And uh, uh, let me tell you what, though, but there are some benefits to this. And You know, if anything that's uh, been spawned in this whole crisis is a return to nature, natural products, what are the value of various products? And let's be open-minded to things. And so let me research this a little bit. Yeah. I love pomegranate, by the way. I love all of that, the the seeds and the fruit itself. And um, uh, be sure to tell your wife we talked about this. She'll laugh. All right. So this one's from uh, Nydia. Uh, are there blood tests to see if one has the mRNA or spike protein in one's blood? Only research tests at this point in time, Malcolm, but they're coming. A recent paper by Yonker and colleagues, very important paper just in circulation, okay. showed they had 16 children, 13 boys and three girls hospitalized at Massachusetts General Hospital, Harvard School of Medicine with myocarditis. I mean, we should not have a single one. Instead, these kids have heart damage. They're in the hospital. What did they discover? Those with myocarditis had high levels of circulating spike protein, and it looked like the antibodies were not binding the spike protein. Whereas a comparator group who didn't have myocarditis uh, the antibodies were correctly um, binding to the spike protein. 
So this may explain some of the mystery of who gets myocarditis, who doesn't. Not everybody develops a targeted library of antibodies to neutralize the spike protein. And when it runs free in the body, it causes trouble. All right. All right. Now, from what I'm seeing from a lot of the communications here, I want to ask you a question from me with all of the um, the uh, talked about the variants, of course, but COVID and the RSV, but the various flus, the things that are happening. There's I, I, I things a little more sickly this year around. I, I mean, I just have this weird sense from a lot of the stuff I'm seeing in communications. There's more out there today, or is there, I ask you, than we've seen previously. I just get the sense there's a lot of sickness out there right now. Is is that a true statement? Or? I think there is, Malcolm. And I have to tell you, this is my personal observation. You know, I had COVID in 2020. I had it contextually in 2021, didn't test, but everyone else had it. And, you know, in 2022, Malcolm, I had no fewer than a dozen colds, a dozen. I was sick. If you remember on this program, I was sick almost every other show. And, you know, I have to tell you, I never have that. I mean, perfectly healthy. Yeah, I was getting worried about you. I was getting and I had listeners giving me hell. Uh, You you, you caused me a lot of grief, you know. I know. But Malcolm, uh, listen, I am hearing all over that both COVID, the respiratory infection, and the vaccines knock down human immunity, and that we're getting colds more frequently. And I've always been curious with the observation that in acute COVID, not vaccinated, acute COVID, that one of the laboratory abnormalities we see is a depressed lymphocyte count. And it's just the opposite for other infections. Normally, all components of the white blood cell count go up with infection. Why is the lymphocyte count depressed? The only other infection we see where the lymphocyte count is depressed severely is HIV disease. And we do know that there is a sequence of code in the spike protein that's homologous to one of the glycoproteins in HIV. And it's always raised the issue as is SARS-CoV-2 infection and now the vaccines with the same spike protein, are they immunosuppressive? Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I bring it up because I see it all around me. It's be, even beyond, I, I'm even speaking beyond the communications that come in here, which gives me a real sense of the temperature out there. But I'm talking about, you know, as I said to you last week, uh, I had people into the holidays. They were all sick and hacking and coughing and choking. And I, I said to my wife, I can't get this stuff. I'm not doing this. And then my son's been sick with it quite a bit there. And then my daughter, who's in college, uh, my wife just said she's got to get some D3 in her. She's very low on D. Well, you know, Dr. McCullough, correct me on this, please. But if you're low on D, that's a telltale sign that you're, you, your prospect to get sick, I think, raises substantially, does it not? It's true. You know, all studies show that yeah. vitamin D, which yeah. is a steroid hormone, is really what it is. It works inside the nucleus of cells that vitamin D is protective. It's considered the sunshine vitamin. It's protective against viral infections. A meta-analysis in COVID showed that if one had a vitamin D level 50 to 100 on the blood test, Mm -hmm. that there is a market reduction and a de minimis risk of COVID-19 and COVID-19 mortality. So this became operational in the clinic. You know, I had patients all day yesterday and I saw somebody with a level of 38. And I told her, are you taking vitamin D? And she said, well, yeah, I am. I said, well, at least on one day, double your dose. So I think everybody, when they get their vitamin D levels checked, Malcolm, they need to remember that finding 50 to 100 is the sweet spot. 
And we've been going too low on vitamin D. Yeah, it is. It is. And I've talked extensively about this. I've learned a ton uh, from our, our friend, uh, Peter, Dr. Henry Ely, Dr. H. And uh, we, we talk about this all the time on the programs and what have you. But, but anyways, I've learned so much about it. And when I get off the program here, and I'm very sincere when I tell you this, I'll be going to take not just five. By the way, the D3 you want to really take to maintain yourself is 5,000 IUs. I'll be going to take 10,000 IUs, and I'll tell you why. Just as I was getting on the, the call here and doing the program with Dr. Uh, McCullough here, uh, he said to me, you okay? Your voice, everything else before the mic went hot. And I said, yeah, yeah. I said, I'm just stressed today, you know, whatever. And uh, But I actually feel something trying to get me. And, you know, this happened last week when my wife uh, and but the others around me were sick. Uh, more so, and my son and everybody else, and I didn't get it. I didn't get it, but because I doubled up on everything, I was telling listeners what I did. So here's what I here's what I do. Here's my Dr. McCullough has his protocol. Let me give you my protocol, Malcolm's protocol. So I, I will take the the healthy cell immune super boost twice a day. Uh, that's got the zinc, the D3, the echinacea extract, uh, uh, all of the uh, uh, various components in there that help uh, elderberry vitamin C, all that stuff is important, but D3 is in there as well. And I'll take more D3 on top of that. Now, healthy cell products are micro gels. So you can take it right out of the package. By the way, Dr. McCullough, when you take it, do you take it right out of the package into your mouth like you do when you're like those little package things when you run a marathon? Or do you put in a little bit of water? No, I take it directly. You do. You know, some people (laughs) feel like they, the taste, they've got to modify it in some way. I take it directly. I like the taste okay. of all of them. Yeah, it's got a berry taste. One does, and the other's got a tangerine. The the right, but, focus but, of recall's got tangerine taste, right? I want to provide some commentary, though. I think it's very important. Okay. You said twice a day during like a catabolic strain, like coming down with an illness. I yeah. agree with that for, for the following reason. Remember when you take a vitamin or any supplement, you know, there's an opportunity for it to be absorbed in the GI tract, but it's not all absorbed because of GI motility, admixture in the food stream, et cetera. So when you get into a stress situation, go twice a day because you're giving twice the chance for absorption. And, and, And that's a great point. And the other point is, that's one of the real, and I know you're high on, uh, pretty high on this point here, Dr. McCullough, but that's one of the big bonuses of healthy cell is the microgel because you, it, it, there's no doubt about this point I'll say right now. You get maximum absorption into your body with microgel rather than the chalky pills. Is that a true statement? It's so true. And Malcolm, when you get sick, GI motility goes down. Everyone knows this. Yeah. When you get sick, you lose your appetite. Sometimes there's nausea and vomiting. We know there's changes in the microbiome. The GI tract becomes dysfunctional in generalized illness. And for those reasons, the healthy cell products are ideally situated. I think, some of, yeah. I think some of these chalky things don't do anything. In fact, I had a patient yesterday actually on a, a B vitamin supplement. She showed me, she bought one of the cheap ones that uh, you can get at the pharmacy, one of the, the really cheap brands. And she goes, this is upsetting my stomach. I've never had people report stomach upset with healthy cell. Yeah, yeah. No, no, I've never seen anything at all to that point. Um, so so my protocol is I, I do, I'm going to take the two immune super boosts for sure. I, when I get, I'm going to take the 5,000 IU, I'm going to take 10,000 IU, the D3. There's two little, little, little tablets, nothing to it, friends. But I'm also going to put Cofix RX in both nostrils here again, because I hadn't taken it the last few days because I haven't had a problem, you understand. But I'm going to take that now every eight hours. 
And I'm going to, and the atomizer is is in the room working, which is the uh, Genesis atomizer, uh, the Genesis HOCL, the hypochlorous. So, Doctor McCullough, you laugh, but I got all I got all things happening here at one point, brother. I mean, you know what I mean? It's all well, happening. Huh? Listen, Malcolm, I we talked about this before. You're kind of a germo- germophobe. I've gotten to know you, yeah. And you're, but you know, there's it was a a giant discussion for another day. Yeah is this whole issue of germ theory versus terrain theory. And how this goes is the germ theory is that that we're trying to keep every last germ out of our body, and this is what we're doing. The terrain theory says, listen, we're dirty with all different bugs and pathogens. And it's really when we have a lapse in our immune system and our susceptibility that do one of these viruses or bacteria invade our body. I, and, I just made a note: ger, ger, germ versus terrain. Is versus that, that's, terrain. Uh, so, I, we're going to have that another day. Okay? Uh, well, no, we we need a whole seminar for that. But but Malcolm, here's the thing: yeah. if it is terrain, if in fact we're breathing in these bugs all the time, and it's really just our weaknesses that allow clinical infection to occur, why not bolster our strength exactly. with healthy it. cell? Right, yeah. with healthy cell. You, and and if the germ theory is correct, it's really about germs. Why not use the Genesis fogger and use the uh, nasal sprays and cut down on the germs? I mean, why not work both sides of the equation? That's it, That's it brother. I love you. Uh, or do what I do and be a germaphobe and do it all, uh, which is what I do um, because I don't like to be sick. Uh, and I'm a bit of a baby when I'm sick. I really have to be at my best and my highest order. And I've been pretty good. Uh, you know, you hear me all the time. I, I really haven't been sick. So I've been really blessed. Thank God. And uh, But anyways, I'm going to be doing that. So just remember healthy cell, uh, all those, let me just keep it simple. The, the little banner ads are back at America Out Loud. Just go to americaoutloud.com, friends, and look in the feed and you'll see them right there or on any show post as well. But click those healthy cell, you get 25% off your first order. So don't forget to use these now. Uh, that's uh, healthycell.com forward slash out loud. 25% is pretty, pretty decent. Pretty substantial, and they're they're a marvelous uh, company. I've been working with them for five years. I really like this product, and these people have been tremendous. Cofix RX, uh, you get twenty um, percent off that product as well. You've got to use the code out loud. So I'm just giving it to you, real, keeping it real, people. Uh, and you, and if you get, I think it's four or five bottles, you get free shipping on that. Everybody ha- needs Cofix, and everybody has to have their own bottle. Like my kids have their own bottle, and you got you got to have. You don't be sharing bottles when it's a personal item like that in your nose, clearly. So, anyways, just get five of them and be done with it. And uh, so you that you can click that banner ad and get that discount. And Genesis HOCL, uh, that product, once you have the equipment, it's fantastic. The HOCL goes in the hypochlorous. Man, through the holidays, I had that thing blowing. People said, what's that? That's keeping me safe from all you sick people. Get away. It's like the vampire. <laughs> Hold the thing up. Hey, listen, we need to take a quick pause here. And we'll rejoin you just on the other side here. You're listening to America Out Loud Pulse. Maintaining a strong immune system has never been more critical. Nutrition company Healthy Cell created Immune Super Boost to help you strengthen your immunity. Unlike other supplements that don't work, Immune Super Boost is not a pill. It's a gel you swallow with ultra absorption of science-backed nutrients proven to support immunity, like vitamin C, D3, zinc, elderberry, and echinacea. Go to HealthyCell.com and use limited time code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. Risk-free. Love it or your money back. Guaranteed. HealthyCell.com, code out loud. 
All right, you've all heard Malcolm and the great Dr. Peter McCullough talk about the pulvidone iodine-based nasal spray, Cofix RX. They talk about it because it's a product that actually works in combating colds, flus, and coronaviruses. Cofix is made in the USA and recommended by thousands of doctors and pharmacists nationwide. It's simple. By attacking viruses where they incubate, you make it easier for your body to heal. Check out the Cofix RX banner ad on AmericaOutloud.com and save 20% by using promo code OUTLOUD. We know you love the versatility and portability of the Genesis Fogger, but sometimes you just want to set it and forget it. Well, we heard you. Introducing the UX4 HOCL Atomizer. This stationary unit quietly protects you and is perfect for smaller spaces. With over a quarter million units sold in Japan, it's now available in the United States. Visit genesisfogger.com forward slash out loud to see the UX4 in action and receive a 15% discount on either Fogger with promo code OUTLOUD. With Genesis, you're ready for anything. Uh, we're joining you back here at America Out Loud Pulse. It is Malcolm Out Loud here along with Dr. Peter McCullough. And this is uh, Q&A 53 and a whole lot more we've been talking about. Let's get right into questions here without any delay, please. This one is going to be from Marion. Uh, Dear Dr. McCullough, I have an extended family member, male in late 40s, who developed low blood pressure after taking the Pfizer COVID vaccine in early 2021. After receiving the vaccine, he also started going to the gym again and believes the low blood pressure, blood pressure is the result of starting to exercise. He had an incident where he passed out. Uh, in the summer of 2022, um, they thought he was dead and was taken to the hospital, but was released the next day. The low blood pressure has been enough of a concern that his doctor gave him medication to raise the pressure. I'm wondering if this could be caused by the vaccine. And is this indicative of any cardiac problems? Uh, or And what do you recommend? Or is there a test on this? Or what do you say? Issues with blood pressure are clearly related to the vaccine. They can be prolonged. I assume he's not on any blood pressure medicines. He shouldn't be <coughs> if it's low. It's distinctly unusual to be put on medicines to raise blood pressure. So it's distinctly unusual unless there's Parkinson's disease or autonomic failure of some sort. I would say he needs a cardiologist and he needs a full evaluation. There's a reason why the blood pressure is low and many times it's not a good, it's not a good answer. Yeah, uh, for sure. This one's from Drake. Uh, do we have any good data on how long the LNP persists in the human body? Right now, everything we can tell, these substances last forever. I mean, we might as well just assume that because we're not seeing any studies where they go away, Malcolm. It's very, very worrisome. Okay. <clears throat> Sharon says, how would I know if I've been affected by shedding without any obvious symptoms? Would it show in my blood because I heard of black blood that some jabs uh, have? I mean, significant, significant shedding could turn the antibody test positive. The, the commercial antibody test, I think the orthoclinical mm -hmm. diagnostics one is the, is the most common. But let me tell you what, in research studies, when they ask a question, has anybody had any exposure to the spike protein and is done in the Framingham heart study population, as well as uh, UT Houston School of Public Health. The answer is Malcolm, 99% of people have had exposure now. Oh, yeah. It's almost like you might not even check, nobody is, is pure. 
Everyone's been exposed to the spike protein. Those who haven't taken the vaccine, the, the biggest issue people are saying is, listen, they don't want the foreign genetic material in their body. That's, I think, a much bigger issue than getting exposed to the spike protein. I think everyone's gotten exposure. Now, it's interesting in terms of the genetic material, the CDC says 87% of people took a shot. But uh, I, there are now two very good valid survey studies that suggest that Americans are saying only two thirds took the shot. So can we trust the CDC? No, that's a question. Do you want me to answer that or you? All right. So, um, uh, but my question on that is if you're not having any, I don't, is this a fair question or not? Or is this, is this rude? I mean, if you're not having any symptoms, why do you care about shedding? I don't understand the question. Well, that's the reason why I said, why do you care? The point is everyone's been exposed right yeah, now. Right. So the point is, don't worry about it. If exactly. you feel fine, go on with life. Assume you've been exposed to it right. and you're all good. Oh. If, you, if you haven't taken a vaccine, uh, you shouldn't mm. have any of the foreign genetic material right. in you. I mean, we're just going to have to go uh, with that belief system until okay. we know otherwise. All right. Well, I just want to make sure I wasn't missing something because I really didn't see the relevancy of that. But but we made a few points there. So this one's from Millie. How does the body respond with an unvaccinated person uh, receives a blood transfusion from a vaccinated person? I'm pregnant and I'm asking so that I'm aware of the decision I'm making and how it will affect me and my baby. Wow. Good question. Let me just reassure the, the listener. The chances of needing a blood transfusion with a baby is way less than 1%. It's not like other surgeries. Let me give an example. Cardiac surgery, it's about a 30% chance. Oh, yeah. With cardiac surgery, because the chest is opened, uh, and you, you know it's a possibility. There are some other bloody surgeries, but the vast majority of surgeries now, uh, transfusions aren't needed. Uh, one of the most common indications for transfusion is cancer care. People who have chronically low uh, uh, red blood cell counts. Another area is hemodialysis. When people are so sick at that level and they need transfusions, I think they need transfusions for their own purpose. Now, I published a substack about, the title of it was called Mission Impossible, and that's independent uh, unvaccinated blood banking. I think it's impossible to come up with a separate system, Malcolm, because it's, it's highly regulated. Every hospital has to have a blood bank and a system and a network and 24 by 7 personnel and massive transfusion protocols and Typing and cross-matching is very intricate, and, and you just can't donate blood to your mm. spouse. I mean, because we're different, and most of the time, the blood doesn't match. So what I've said is that the most important thing is the blood banks can do is just check the box. Mm. If someone's recently taken a vaccine, at least check the box. Right, right. And when we wrote American Red Cross and the Association of Clinical Blood Banking and Carter Blood Center in early 2021, they said that they you know, acknowledged our concern. Uh, but didn't do anything about it. Mm -hmm. Now, a recent report has come out from Switzerland saying that they are checking the box and they can uh, assure unvaccinated blood. So I think they're making some progress. Uh, what I want to encourage mm -hmm. people to do is to put pressure on the Association of American uh, Blood Banking and American Red Cross to actually get this data captured. That's the first step. Right. Then you can take the second step. But to try to jump to a separate blood banking system, I think is a huge, it's a bridge too far. 
And what people don't understand is blood transfusions are no picnic. I personally never had one. I don't right. plan on getting one. Right. But if I needed one in some calamity, that you got to take it. Right, right. Oh, yeah. Well, uh, that's exactly it. I mean, blood is the thirst of life. I mean, you have to take your chances because you have to have the blood. But I can see where people are concerned and looking for another outlet or another answer. I, I mean, I do understand that, especially with everything we've been through. I could see where some people don't want to suffer the consequences of somebody else's decision, Peter. You know what I mean? I understand that. You know, it's not it's understandable. Now, let me say blood currently is only screened for nine different diseases. You know, a lot of people don't know this. It's not universally screened for everything. It's screened for babesiosis and various uh, forms of hepatitis, et cetera. But, but it's only nine things. So when you donate a, a unit of blood, if you notice, there's a little pouch at the top of the collection system. That's a what's called a diversion uh, pouch. And that sample of blood is actually going to go and test for diseases. So they're going to hold your unit of blood Make sure you don't have malaria or babesiosis or what oh, have yeah. you before that blood is uh, released. Now, blood <clears throat> can be washed and irradiated and other things, yeah. but the, the blood supply for things that we can't test for or that aren't being tested, we can't get any assurances. Sure, you want the best unit of blood possible, uh, but let me tell you, I had a young man recently, uh, aortic valve disease, came into my office said, listen, I didn't take the vaccine and I don't want any blood. Well, he gets, uh, he's a young guy. He's in his young 30s, young, newly married. He gets deep into a complicated cardiac surgery. And let me tell you what, he needed seven units of blood. And we told him, listen, you needed it to save your life. Amen. And so, blood transfusion is a dire situation. And when you need it, my advice is take it. Oh, yeah. I mean, I totally get that there, uh, thought right there. Yeah, for sure. Um, all right. This one is uh, from uh, Mary. Um, okay. Yes. Let me get you mentioned cancer moment. Let me get a couple of these in quick here. Mary says, can you please provide a link for an ivermectin protocol for cancer? My brother has stage four lung cancer that has metastasized. Uh, to his lymphatic system, we have access to ivermectin. Is there a protocol for this, uh, Dr. McCall? Not that I'm aware of. I, I think one should really follow their advice to their hematologist, oncologist. I know people are really yeah. reaching out there, but I think we should stay within the realm of accepted practice. So yeah, I'm not aware of it. Yeah, because I, I didn't, I, I'm glad I asked the question because I didn't think there was, but I mean, ivermectin isn't a cure-all, friends. It's not a you don't take it for the common whatever, you know, I mean, it's a specialized thing, obviously. So I, I didn't think it did was that to my knowledge. So uh, James asks, uh, dear Dr. McCullough, is there a blood test that can detect a uh, presence of mRNA? Uh, thanks to both you and Malcolm for your wonderful program. Wow. Is there a, is there a blood test that can detect the presence? It exists in uh, research and the paper is by Fertig, F-E-R-T-I-G at all should find it on my Twitter feed or search PubMed. It's been done in research studies right now. We are anxiously awaiting both clinical assays for messenger RNA and spike protein. I think there's a lot of pressure to companies to come forward and, and get these, you know, get these tests. Okay. All right. This one's from uh, Bridget. Uh, she says, um, thank you and God bless you for faithfully doing these Q&As. I listen to the Q&A sessions every week on Pulse. My question focuses on the overall harm factor of the DNA shot, the J&J &J versus the mRNA, Pfizer and Moderna. 
Uh, most conversations on this program focus on the mRNA shots and the harm they can cause. Is it accurate to say that the mRNA repercussions also apply to the J&J shot? I always thought the J&J was less dangerous as it was lower dose and one shot only, albeit uh, a totally different formulation. Uh, many people took it to fulfill work obligations, we know, in hopes of it having fewer negative side effects. Uh, and there were others they took for that reason too, my friend. And so if you took just one dose of J&J's DNA shot, are you more in the clear than with the higher dose multi-shot mRNA formula in terms of long-term health and issues like blood cancer, et cetera, et cetera? Okay, so if we circumscribe that question on long term, which is important, long term, uh, without any supportive data, but just what I know about the vaccines, I think the answer would be yes. That even though the acute expression of the spike protein in the Johnson and Johnson formula in outside the United States, AstraZeneca formula is high and uncontrolled, and there are complications for sure. And you hear about this, particularly blood clotting and other factors with the Johnson and Johnson. I think there's a decent chance that this is cleared out of the body. What we're not seeing with Pfizer and Moderna, we're not seeing evidence that the body gets rid of it. This uh, synthetic messenger RNA looks like it's in there for good. It has synthetic three prime and five prime nucleoside analog caps that are very worrisome. So I think the answer is yes. Uh, we're certainly not seeing reports with Johnson Johnson and AstraZeneca of things long term. We're seeing a lot of explosive reports acutely. But the, the questioner here probably, let's say, took it for work and they don't have to take it anymore. Uh, if someone took Johnson and Johnson uh, a year and a half ago, are they in the clear? I think so. I mean, I have some people in my, my family. Now, along the lines of the adenoviral DNA vaccines, Malcolm, you know, it's interesting in November of 2022, AstraZeneca quietly dropped their application for the U.S. They dropped it. Uh, and, you know, one of the press statement as well, the U.S. has plenty of vaccines. That's kind of interesting. Why wouldn't they want a piece of that market? Johnson & Johnson and AstraZeneca are made by the same company. They're made by Emergent Biosolutions, a, a biodefense contractor outside of Baltimore, Maryland. So there, there must not be too much of a difference between the two formulations. Um, I think what so many people are interested in is the safety of the Novavax vaccine or the yeah, yeah. Uh, antigen-based spike protein vaccine. And looking at it now, we've had enough time. I think it is emerging with a better safety profile of cool. the others. Cool. I really do. Well, that's the one that came to my mind when I read the question because yeah, we've had Novavax. a ton of questions about Novavax, you know. Right, Sorry. and we featured this on the show in the past, Malcolm. I think it is safer. I think at this point in time, it's completely obsolete. Uh, the Japanese have reported yeah. a case of myocarditis in the literature with Novavax, but it was mild and self-limited, and they were able to treat it. So yeah. I think, you know, gun against your head on this one and you had to take a vaccine, I'd say Novavax, but don't have any expectation that it would give you any benefit. And, and why put anything in your body that's obsolete, friends? That does, serves no purpose, just whatever. Just get rid of the negative thing that's forcing you to do that is probably the better choice. Hey, listen, we get one shot to do this thing called life. You know, let's go around and do it right, right? And make our own decisions. So thank you for joining and listening to America Out Loud Pulse. Always a pizza here.